I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody, we're back. This is Jay Pitts here with my confidant, Mr. Gabe Pruitt. Gabe, what's up? How's it going? It's going good, man. It's good to be back. You know, it feels like forever since we uh, we sat down and recorded our last episode, but maybe that's just because we're having fun. Yeah, I think you're right. It was only a week ago, if I remember correctly. Only so. seven days, but it feels like an eternity. Sure. Like, I could do this every day. Me too. I wonder if I'll always feel like that. We'd run out of ideas real quick, though. I don't know about that, man. I got a lot of ideas. You know that. But this, the, what we're talking about today is an idea that I think we've had since the beginning. I'm excited to talk about this. No, this, this is, is what I've been curious about. We sat down and made a list. This was on the list, early in the list. Right. I'm honestly surprised it made it to episode seven. Sure. Yeah. Frankly. Anyway, um, before we get started, we should, we should uh, throw another big shout out to Mr. Tom Tool. Mr. Tom was, uh, was our guest last week, the inaugural resource guest. Uh, and his kind of, so aptly put and titled the minion model. I think, I think, I don't know, man. Like, can we, are we that clever? I don't know. It was definitely his idea. I think we'd like to think we're that clever, but I'm not so (laughs) sure we are. Anyway, no, today's episode is, is something that we've been very excited to bring to you. And really it's, it's something that kind of is, you know, working its way into industries throughout, you know, our culture, as United States citizens and maybe, you know, first world citizens, I should say, because it's not just the U.S. that this stuff is happening. But um, it, it's it's the idea that almost any service can be, you know, crowdsourced and or shared, you know, by the masses. You know, the, you don't have to be a Fortune 500 to be a purveyor of – a ride, you know, to and from. You don't have to be, you know, the Hiltons to provide somebody a clean place to stay. So obviously we're talking about the sharing economy and how it pertains to real estate. Now, Gabe, I'm sure off the top of your head, you could come up with at least one place that most people participating in the sharing economy make use of. I would say Uber. That's the first one that comes to mind. Okay. With respect to real estate. Oh, then that would be Airbnb. Obviously Airbnb, which which is a phenomenal story by the way and and we're a fan of how i built this yeah uh the podcast that's a good npr show yeah dude it's an unreal uh guy 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 raz yeah i think Roz, Roz, guy Roz. yeah um he has a very fan phenomenal episode with the founders of airbnb which is a crazy story if you haven't heard it it's it's a couple of guys you know who essentially rented out air mattresses on the floor of their San Francisco apartment to keep themselves from getting evicted, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. And it goes on beyond. Like, really crazy story. I don't know if you've heard, have you heard of the Obama O's? No, 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 no. Uh, totally, totally off topic and a tangential, but like <laughs> apparently like to save the company, uh, one of the guys was, was a really adept graphic designer. Okay. And it was during the 2008 election cycle. Oh, you mean like the O logo? 
Obama O's, yeah. like like Cheerios, Obama O's. Oh, okay. So they they essentially kind of gra- you know the graphic designer made mocked up like a cereal box, you know that was kind of like President Obama's cereal. Sure, right? He wasn't even President Obama at the time. And they they literally like went to like Costco and bought like cheap cereal and just like pulled the bag out of one box and stuffed it in another and they sold them on like eBay for like fifty bucks a box as like a commemorative and they raised <laughs> enough capital literally to keep the company's doors open. That that's wild. It's it's insane. Anyway, that that that's digression a little bit. But no, we're we're here to talk about the sharing economy and how a company like Airbnb or VRBO. And there's a host of others that are that are cropping up. How they affect real estate. So, you know, mainly it's going to affect the investing side of real of the real estate business. Okay, that's that's really where you're going to see most of the impact. Gotcha. Well, I mean, and it's like you said, the sharing economy, like the idea of the sharing economy, is not super new. So, why do you think we're talking about it so much now? And it's effects on real estate and we weren't doing it like five years ago. It's, it's technology. It's the advent of, you know, mobile social and just every consumer having the tools at their disposal to quickly get like the barriers to entry for the purveyor and the consumer to come together. It's, it's, it's tech is what it is. And it's, and it's the smartphone because you know, we've talked about millennials in past episodes. Instant gratification is expected. Great customer service with instant gratification is expected. And honestly, I don't know if you how you prepare for a trip, but dude, I can prepare for a trip and not know where I'm staying until I'm in the air. Really? No, I've never I've never really done that. I haven't either. So 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 um a a gentleman that I follow in the real estate space a lot is named Chris Smith. Okay. okay. He's founder of co-founder of curator. So I'm speak at the Remax convention one year and he literally on stage said, I flew in this morning. I'm giving this talk right here, right now, as he stands on stage at 10 AM, he goes, and I don't have a hotel room <laughs> for tonight. So at the time, you know, he was, you know, this was three or four years ago before Airbnb was in vogue and Airbnb doesn't really work on the Vegas strip, you know, which is where, yeah. where this was. But, um, you know, there's all sorts of those aggregator sites, right? Like, um, you know, Travelocity or Trivago, know, and Trivago and, you know, Kayak. You of them, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them. Anyway, he literally got on his smartphone right afterwards. This is probably 2011 or 12 and he booked a room, you know, he just found the cheapest one Priceline. There you go. Priceline is the one that, that he used. But um, I think that those things were precursors to what we're experiencing now because it told the consumer that it was okay to wait to plan. It told them that they, you know, and, and frankly, like you try to book with a hotel and the experience is just not great. Yeah. Right. You're, you're you book with a website, like you show up, like there's a code you get in, there's towels is everything you need. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. So, I mean, mobile comes around, mobile internet, people have the entire internet in their pocket. And of course this stuff blows up and it becomes a lot easier, even in 2011, 2012, like you're talking about, but let's specifically talk about Airbnb and similar services for a second. Cause I want to dive in on how that affects investors. Like you talked about, but before we do that, just in case no one has ever booked a room with Airbnb, explain just a little bit what it is, how it works, what's the deal? 
Well, Airbnb is short for air bed and breakfast. Like I said earlier, the guys were trying to rent out air mattresses for a, for a tech conference, right? And so air bed and breakfast. Air bed and breakfast. Yeah. Like air bed. Anyway, you, as a, there's very limited barriers to offering your property for rent or for lease, I guess, um, on these websites. But you don't have to jump through many, very many hoops to offer, but there are some, some, uh, required kind of, you know, thresholds to meet with respect to like quality. Yeah. And like it's safety like, and security, safety and-, and security. And it's all review based, right? So like, you know, if you've ever, if you understand that, you know, you give your, your Uber driver a bad review, that's going to affect how many people select him going forward. So this idea of social proof backing up. You know, availability, you know, from a technology standpoint is, is really kind of where it starts. But literally, you take your rental property or your own home. Yeah. Okay, or a room in your home. Or a room in your own home, a uh, room above your garage, and you want to offer it up. It's, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, it's plenty of flexibility from a strategy standpoint if you're the person that wants to be trying to generate some extra income. And it basically just – it allows you to kind of be a part-time landlord if you want. And how long on average are these people staying? Is it like just for a trip like you said or it, it are people be, doing long-term leases with the, Airbnb? There's, there's some of that too. There's some of that too. I don't I don't think it probably goes much more than a month. Yeah. But, um, you know, literally you can go on Airbnb's website and you can put a, you know, a start a start and end date. Here's, here's the, the kind of the rub on that, Gabe. The longer commitment the consumer, the the person who's staying, can demand lower pricing, because think think about a traditional lease. Okay, if you take a traditional like twelve month lease for this house, and it may be a good looking house, let's say it's say it's two thousand bucks a month, and you divide that out to a daily rate, well, that daily rate is going to be significantly cheaper than what you would pay any hotel. To stay for one night. Yeah. Right. The expectation, right. And the arbitrage here is the expectation of how long you're going to stay. The fact that you're staying shorter, right. You are requiring the owner to, you're, you're providing them with no guarantees of future income. So someone who's a regular real estate investor and kind of making one of their homes, their, their, their investments available to daily or weekly stays, they may be foregoing the opportunity to have a long-term stable and steady lease. Right. So I think what a lot of people are finding, though, is that it's easier for them to manage individuals, like half part-timers. It's easier for them to manage than going and getting a management company to do it. I mean, it's it's not that hard for them. They'd rather do that than get a long-term lease because they can drive the take, so to speak, or the gross rent from any, any one asset up 200 300%. Right. So, I mean, if you're a real estate investor and you're hearing about this for the first time, your ears are probably perking up. But I guess the question is, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Like, what what's great about incorporating Airbnb or similar services into your business and what's dangerous about it? Well, what's dangerous is you forego the, the, the stability of long-term rents. I mean, it's short-term bets, yeah. So, so for example, I'm looking at a, at a listing on Airbnb right now for our market. Okay. okay. And it, and it, it's $69 a night for this place. So if you annualize $69 a night, that's $25,000 a year, right? You back that into a monthly rent, that's $2,100 a month. And this is probably a property that would rent on average for about a thousand dollars a month. Okay. So you're already 
one hundred percent over what you you're doubling. Doing. Yeah, you're doubling your income by going daily. But what happens when that property doesn't rent every single day? So you're working backwards from a vacancy perspective. I mean, you're you're going to need any landlord, any real estate investor needs to account for, you know, vacancy loss, right, and maintenance and upkeep. So that that that's really where the risk comes in. What should you be looking for, Gabe? You should be worried that the people are going to tear up your house, right? And you should be worried about the fact that it may not stay occupied for a great enough percentage of time such that you can actually eclipse what you would get on a traditional lease. Yeah. Those are your concerns. So, and a lot of that probably depends on the type of property too. So this one that this listing you're looking at is a single family house or single family house, single okay. family house. It's a, it's, 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 you know, a one bedroom in a trendy part of town. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very well appointed. Okay. Okay. But, but it would never rent for $2,000 a month. Right. I mean, is, and that's the thing too. I mean, Louisville's awesome, but this might come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but we don't have any ocean view beachfront properties here. No, in absolutely not. So, I mean, do you kind of, if you're going to hedge your bets on Airbnb, do you have to have something that's really going to draw people in all the time? Or I think, I think it, the circumstances need to work for you. So certain areas with different draws, like, I mean, you, you got to have an angle. Yeah. Right. And there, there's no, there's no cookie cutter box that you can just, you have to evaluate each investment just like a regular real estate, you know, you know, investment for your regular portfolio. You have to decide is the additional effort and the additional risk worth the return. Okay. And frankly, you got to be prepared to give the effort necessary. Yeah. You know, how many, how many calls do you average annually on a traditional lease, a 12 month lease where you put a tenant in a house and they sign a 12 month lease? Well, you get maybe a call a month, maybe. Okay. You're having to turn an Airbnb multiple times per week, you know, at least multiple times per month. You know, there's, there's labor there. There's cleaning fees. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. Now, the funny thing, Gabe, and I don't know if, if anyone actually follows real estate enough to know this, but this model was created originally for vacation rentals in more tropical places. It sounds like timesharing almost. It kind of, it's kind of like a timeshare. It's a very similar concept, but there are property management companies that, you know, and investors that own beachfront property that they lease out, you know, on a weekly basis or, a, you know, a daily basis, it, you know, all throughout the Florida panhandle and up the Atlantic coast of Florida and into like, you know, South and North Carolina, there are places like that. And, and the rates that these management companies charge are significantly larger than what you would get from a, a traditional property manager, three and four times the amount. Okay. okay. So what you have to imagine is if your expenses are going to be three to four times the amount, what does your revenue have to increase by to make it a worthwhile endeavor? Right. And to absorb okay. the risk. It's the norm there. The reason that this is notable enough for us to sit down and, and record a show about is the fact that it's happening in Louisville, Kentucky, in just a regular old neighborhood, okay, with no particular unique or sexy draw. Yeah, we're not on the strip and we're not by the beach. And- exactly. Like, and it's not just Derby Week around Kentucky. You know, the Kentucky Derby here in Louisville, I mean, insanity what some of these places bring on a daily basis. 15, 2,000, 2,500 a night for an ordinary place in an ordinary neighborhood. But it's only one weekend out of the year. But it's only one week out of the year. So that has to figure into your total analysis 
you know, I'm frankly, as a property manager, as a, as an owner of a property management company, trying to find a way to take advantage and provide the service. And I've had multiple investors and owners and clients reach out to me and say, hey, how can we leverage this? I was just about to use the leverage word. I, w- I thought I was going to get to use it before you did. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how to leverage these services to augment your business. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, so we're back. Jay, I want to go back to an earlier question because we talked about it a little bit, but we didn't get to the the binary answer. So I'm an investor. I have properties that I rent out, but you know, here in Louisville, it's really tempting for me to have something that's you know in the Highlands during Derby weekend that I can rent out for way more than we rent for through the rest of the year. What's the right balance of Airbnb investment and and sticking to the tried and true? I, I'm Gabe. I'm a fan of the tried and true. Right. Okay. I'm a fan of the tried and true. They call it that for a reason. It, exactly. The, the, the tortoise wins the race, not the hare. Right. Okay. It, it's a sexy idea. How, how far you go is up to your risk tolerance. If you're a risky, you know, kind of investor that doesn't mind getting out on the fringe, go for it. It's there. There's a lot of people making huge rewards. So where the risk, there is the reward. I don't think that there are, I I don't buy into the hype that governmental oversight and, you know, kind of the fact that, that city governments and state governments are going to try to legislate ways to control and kind of hold down and suppress this trend. I don't buy that. that So there's nothing like that right now. I don't buy that that's going to disrupt. You know, it's it's going to be on the level of the fact that Uber can't go to the airport. Okay. Right? Like, they're going to find a way to support the hotel industry that pays a substantial amount of tax dollars to local governments. But you can't legislate your way out of keeping Gabe from renting out his basement. Sure, if I own it. Like, it's not not realistic. Well, A, you have an argument against that legislation. And at scale, if the consumers unite against these things, the, gov- the, the local governments are not going to fight. Not to go too off topic, but what about like homeowners associations or condo developments and that sort of thing? Where do they get to step in? You know, it's, it's really dicey, man. It's really dicey. If they have law or if they have uh, guidelines that state that you can't lease out property, well, their, inter- counts, right? their interpretation of this is that it's a lease agreement. Now, I think some people would argue that there's – not a landlord-tenant relationship created, but there are also licenses and laws that requ- that are required to operate hotel hotels. Yeah, you know, so it gets it gets kind of dicey, man. It really does. But what you're saying is you don't see on the horizon where it's going to get legislated to death. I no, not to death. It's yeah. it's just too strong. It's it's too strong in its adoption. To answer your question directly, try it, test it. The more boutique of an area, the bigger draw, the sexier your location, the more apt it it is to be successful. The more ordinary, the less likely. I've got you. Well, okay. So that that that's my take. Like if you've got the hippest uh, a flat that's modern design and beautiful furnishings in the hippest part of town that's walkable to bars and restaurants and shopping and entertainment, you're going to have more success than 
a regular old three bedroom, one and a half brick ranch on a slab in the middle yeah. of a suburban neighborhood. Yeah, I understand that. Well, and you touched on something there when you said something about mass adoption. I mean, mass adoption is the thing that makes these app centric and technology centric industries run. People have to all know what it is, you yeah. know? So, and we talked about that a little bit in our very first episode when we talked about Zillow and the mass adoption of Zillow. But how do you think that's going to affect the future of industries like this and how they kind of play into real estate? Are we going to see more and more of it or is it just going to trail off and be old news eventually? There's going to be more. There's going to be more because the barrier to entry for the small purveyor is so low. Super duper low. Yeah. Super low. Like you can try it and there's no downside. You can do it from your phone on your couch. You can do it from your phone sitting on your couch saying, Hey honey, you want to rent, rent our house out on Saturday night? Let's try it and see how it goes. And then literally in 30 minutes, you could have someone booked. So you can try it with relatively little downside, but Gabe, I'm going to tell you adoption is crazy. Like I'm looking at vacation rental by owner right now, VRBO.com 300 plus listings in Louisville mm. for tomorrow. 300 plus, and we're a relatively small city. I mean, and we're a city, nothing's going on tomorrow. Not nothing, that I know of. Nothing I huge. mean, it's like college football hasn't started. Like, it's not, you know, a holiday weekend. Yeah. Like, it, seriously, 300 available. And that just tells me that people are willing to use their home or their rental investment to earn more income. Like, it's, it's a side hustle game. Yeah. We're, we're in a side hustle economy. Yep. And that's what a lot of this, I was going to say the major draw for a lot of these industries is not necessarily, it's a great way for you to find a place to stay. I feel like they get more people initially or when they roll out the concept by saying, Hey, you can make some money in your spare time by being a purveyor on our site. Not a, not necessarily like a consumer. No, absolutely. Well, the same people, the same people that offer their homes up for, for a nightly rental are the ones using the service in a different city. Right. So, the the fact that there's relatively little difference between the, the supplier and the consumer. It's like your customers are your employees. Exactly. Like, you know, your Uber driver turns turns his um you know, his his app off, walks in the bar behind you, has a few drinks, and then calls an Uber to go home. <laughs> like literally that's what happened. It's the same people. Yeah. So as long as social proof keeps pace and that's the growing trend. So that you as a consumer can know where you're safe and sound and where a good experience is, is to be had, it's going to grow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense for all of those reasons that it gets mass adoption from consumers. But what about companies in real estate like Zillow? You know, I just touched on it. Do you think that there's ever a play for them to get in on this as a on the corporate side of things or is it too far out of their depth? Well, I mean, Airbnb and VRBO, I mean, these are not hotel companies. No. These are, these are not innkeepers that are getting into this this business. These are disruptors. Yeah. Okay. And Zillow is a disruptor. Okay. I don't think Zillow's getting into Airbnb's Kool Aid. I don't. I don't no. think. I don't think they're wading into those waters. But will there be more and more? Yeah, absolutely. You asked me. You asked me on the episode about Zillow. Is will they grow? Will they change? Is this the end? Where Where is it going? Yeah. The point is, it's it until it's not. And there will always be someone coming along that does it better, that has a better idea. And with technology, the barriers to unseat the king of the hill, it's getting easier and easier. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get to the heart of and trying to pull out of you is what's next, right? I don't, like we've talked about this. I know you don't have you, a crystal ball, but. Did you always try to get me to be the prognosticator? It's just, I trust your insight. That's all it is. But my question, my questions come from this place. It's just really confusing to me because. 
real estate and rentals and buying real estate is all about scarcity. That's where value comes from. You know, it's supply and demand, but this is all the exact opposite. Like the value comes from mass availability. Like Uber is popular because you can get an Uber anywhere. So I mean, how do those two things square? You're commoditizing the value of a night's stay of a ride to and from an event with mass availability. I mean, that's it, Gabe, you're, you're, you're commoditizing, but what, what you haven't really accounted for here is the scarcity of the short stay. Like that's another kind of scarcity. Like any time. I mean, if, if you, if you looked at what you pay for a hotel room and compared it to your mortgage or your rent, you'd want to vomit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. If I stayed here every night of the month, I'd pay three times what I pay in my mortgage. It's okay because you're only there one day. Yeah. I'm only here for the night or two days. Yeah. So, so that is a way if you can cobble together with the use of technology and, you know, an equivalent tenancy rate at significantly higher cost per day, you're going to make more money. Now it's going to, you know, the, the arbitrage is trying to do that while keeping your costs similar to what they were if you leased it out on a 12 month lease. Right. And, and, and so, so your leakages are in vacancy and maintenance. So where's it going? Is that what you want to re- you really want to know? Yeah. It, it's going to happen more and more. So this, we talked about this in our investing episode. We recently, and by recently in the last several years became a country more where more owners are investors than our homeowner occupants, right? right? 5149, but that's a stark contrast to like going back to the 1970s where it was 65% owner and 35% investor. Okay. So more and more investors equal more and more daily rental opportunities. And they're going to test and track and see if it works. And, you know, it's, it is the opposite of scarcity when it comes to availability. So price per day probably comes down a little bit. Yeah. I think if you ask me where, where this in the is future, headed, yeah. in the future, as more people do it, more people become comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, but internet shopping used, there were, there weren't better deals. The advent of internet shopping prices were actually inflated online. you were paying a premium to shop you, online. You paid a premium to shop online. And now the opposite has happened as more and more mass adoptions happened. Okay. Right. Because, because, you know, producers and seller of sellers of products realize that they can really, really, slash costs by not having a brick and mortar footprint selling products. I think what's going to end up happening is the prices per day are going to come down because they're going to be forced to, as they're more available, they're going to, you know, the, the, you know, capitalistics, you know, economy is going to kick in. Well, I'll undercut you. Well, speaking of that, I want to zoom out even more. I just thought of this too. Where you talked about commoditizing things. I feel like anyone who's in business has seen these companies pop up and read the article about the new thing. And it's like, man, why did I not think of that? Like there's one like where you can rent out your truck. If you're someone that has a pickup truck to help somebody move their furniture. Like, why didn't I think of that? That's great. But in real estate, what do you think the next thing to get commoditized is? So I'm looking from an agent perspective, right? It's cool. Hey, you can commoditize out a room of your house for someone to stay in, but that doesn't really affect me in the business. What happens if it starts to be like agents' services are commoditized out and are massively available? Like you punch in your name and your number and someone can write an offer for you. I'm getting doomsday-ish for the real estate industry, but just curious, what do you think's next thing to get commoditized? It's it's a re- the things everything surrounding an agent's service 
that can be, will be, but they're the core, the core of an agent's service will never be commoditized. It's too personal. Yeah. And it takes, and I mean, it takes, it takes insider knowledge. You know what I mean? You have to be in the industry almost. You have to have experience. Yeah. The, it, we, we talked about this in episodes past, Gabe. Like, Zillow's not replacing, you know, realtors. It's not their goal. Air, Airbnb is not going to replace landlords. Like you're not looking or hotels. There will still be hotels. Or, or hotels. Too. You're not you're not you're not gonna see like this conglomeration of this like faceless internet company that you just like punch in a credit card and click a few buttons and it takes care of everything start to finish. Like Airbnb doesn't work unless a person drives over to that house and cleans it after the after the people leave. No, that's a good point. Like it's just it's not it's not gonna happen, you know? And Airbnb doesn't want to own property. They understand something, something that Zillow understands, right? Is that Zillow doesn't have to be a brokerage. Airbnb doesn't have to own property to make money from selling property in Zillow's case or leasing property in Airbnb's case. This is where the agents and these naysayers, like these doomsday folks in the real estate industry, get it really wrong. Like, do you realize that Walmart doesn't own their own stores? I know you, you mentioned that to me not too long ago. Like big companies want to be nimble. They understand that all of their income, like, like Ray Kroc with McDonald's is the, is the antithesis of this, but he is out on a limb by himself. And I know he's passed and you know, that's, you know, if you haven't seen that founder, the founder, it's, it's amazing. Have you seen it? It's on Netflix now. I, I've you been should watch, watch it, but I haven't seen you it. You should watch it. It's amazing. He had a reason for doing that, by the way. And I'll, I can circle back to that if we get, if we have time. But Walmart doesn't own its own stores the same way Zillow doesn't need to be a brokerage. Okay. Zillow doesn't need to be a brokerage and Airbnb doesn't need to be a hotel owner. Th- they get a piece off of every transaction that they make possible simply because they make it possible. And they can do that while being nimble. For the life of me, it does not, it, I cannot figure out why there are so many doomsday naysayers with respect to these companies. Like it's happening in every single industry. Like Amazon does not own Whole Foods because they want Whole Foods locations. They own Whole Foods because they want to revolutionize the way you buy groceries. Yeah. They want to ship groceries to you. They don't want you to drive to a Whole Foods store. Trust me, Whole Foods will exist no more in its current state in the not-too-distant future. Amazon bought them so they could close every single store, and they could ship you groceries from a fulfillment center. That's what they bought it for. I feel like we're edging closer and closer to this future where no one ever has to leave their house. Everything can either be delivered to you or you can do it online. Uh, It is what it is, but let me tell you something. Buying a house has soul. Yeah, you, you can't you can't remove it. It's emotional. It, it's involved. You, you have to have somebody there by your side. I yeah. Think. What is it? Uh, I'm fine. Freaked out. Insecure. Neurotic and emotional. Like <laughs> is that is that kind of how it goes? Uh, yeah. Uh, we talk about real estate. Real estate has certain places within its 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 purvey that are just so emotional that a person has to see you through it. It it can't. I mean, like. It explains why, Gabe, you can you can look at all the Zillow leads out there, right? And you can call them and you can say you can offer great service, but then they they ignore you and then they call the person they trust. Yeah. You know, and 
you know, once they meet the person they trust, they don't need, they don't need a website anymore. There you go. That makes sense. Well, that's about all the time we've got for today. But when we come back next time, we're going to be talking about those agents that people trust and what they do to make themselves better. I'm, I think we're talking about coaching next week. Is that right? Absolutely. And we're going to have another special guest with us. Uh, so you definitely want to stay tuned to see who that is. But if you have any questions about anything we talked about today, you can head over to our web- website at resourcepodcast.net. Uh, drop a comment below any of the previous episodes that we have listed there. And remember, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, write a review, leave us a rating on the iTunes store that helps new listeners find us. Uh, and just, we want to hear from you. So send us your feedback and let us know if you have any ideas for things we could talk about in the future. Even if you don't agree with us. No, especially if you don't agree with we, us. We love a healthy debate. Yeah. Like we might even invite you onto the show. If you have a healthy disagreement for the things that we're talking about in any of our episodes, we'd love to hear from you. So, As Gabe said, anywhere on social and resourcepodcast.net. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Take care. We'll see you next time.